0: This week, I was super fortunate to speak to someone whose work has been a key influence on me, Mr. Peter Sage. Now, look, I'll be honest. This breaks the rules of WA real. Peter's wasn't in WA, nor has he been to WA. But when he reached out and asked if he could be on the show, I thought it would be a great opportunity to share some of the teachings from the man himself, some of the teachings that have influenced me and have shaped how I've ended up creating WA Real. So who is Mr Peter Sage? He's a well-known international serial entrepreneur, author, philosopher and teacher. His unique way of looking at and relating to life has inspired tens of thousands of people worldwide to reinvent themselves. Peter shares his own journey to becoming who he is today and some of the epiphanies that have shaped him along the way. Peter shares some of his key teachings about how the patterns of care and love from our parents shape us today, the two major realisations that until discovered hold us back, and the three games that we all have to play in life. Peter also goes deep into explaining his model of the four levels of consciousness that govern how we approach to life. And I think once you get your head around this, so much of the interactions you have with people around you will begin to make sense. Peter goes on to share how all of this was put to the test as he found himself in Pentonville High Security Prison in the UK for four and a half months of a six-month contempt of court charge, meaning he was the only non-criminal inmate in Pentonville High Security Prison. This is a hugely powerful conversation with a man who every day lives his truth, and you can feel it in his words. Now, one of the final apologies is, sometimes the sound is not as great as it could be, but I, I implore you to stick on in there and listen to this, because it's such a great, great conversation. So enjoy, Peter. Hello and welcome to WA Real. I'm your host Bryn Edwards. Today it's my absolute treat and pleasure to have Peter Sage on our, on the podcast today. Um, Peter's been a thought leader of mine for some time and so when he reached out and asked to be on the show I was absolutely flattered. So Peter I'd like to welcome you to the show.
1: we an absolute pleasure and uh, yeah I've got a strong affinity with Australia and it's always great to be able to chat to people like yourself that yeah, uh, appreciate the kind of level of thinking that we have. And so, yeah, here we are.
0: Yeah, I thought it'd be a great opportunity to share some of your thinking with with the with the listeners of WA Real. So um, first thing is, so I, I followed your journey for a period of time. You know, you're Peter Sage, the entrepreneur, SpaceX. Um, Peter Sage, the person who speaks on, uh, is, writes books, sounds on stages, does coaching. Can you just give the listeners a bit more of an insight of, who is Peter sage
1: <laughs> well, as I normally start and, and remind people that you know I'm, I'm just a guy yeah there's uh, there's a tendency sometimes to put people on a pedestal and by contrast we tend to minimize ourselves as a result of that so you know we've all got our own unique story mine just happens to be you know dropping out of school at sixteen kind of having an affinity for entrepreneurship and I'm, I'm far more an entrepreneur business guy first than a, a sort of speaker teacher second and uh, that journey for 30 years was also paralleled with a uh, a real passion for personal growth personal improvement and so that's really what's given me the the background of the psychology the model of the world the way that i relate to things people life uh the way that i do and yeah i've combined that to make myself you know very successful in, in certain businesses and very successful in how i handle failures <laughs> yeah and yeah and, and all of that kind of stuff so yeah I'm, yeah I'm just a guy swinging the bat through life you know looking to to enjoy the game hit the odd home run strike out get back up dust myself down swing the bat again and and go really enjoy this incredible called cool life
0: yeah um obviously the, there's a real as i listen to you there's a real thrust of you putting yourself out there and really just not waiting for things to happen for you you're going out and, and just getting there where does that come from in your story
1: Great question. I I actually had, did some work many years ago when I was, I was working a lot with um, a gentleman called Tony Robbins. You know, I, was a, I was a senior trainer for Tony for, you know, wow, 15 you know, years it gave me a, a great uh, insight into you know, a lot of stuff that I do now. I'm very grateful for. But uh, when I was doing some of my own deep work, you know, looking in the mirror, there was a pattern that came up that really was very insightful because a lot of the times a lot of our unconscious behavior can be traced to you know, patterns in childhood that have their genesis in where we did or didn't get love from the people we most wanted it from right and you know i've done enough work around the world with enough cultures ages backgrounds to know that that's pretty true for most people There's almost like and a bit so, of universal truth in there really. yeah a, a lot of our patterns of insecurity are formed out of those years and I uncovered one that really answers the question you just posed, which is, you know, when I was 10 years old, I was in private school, and my mother uh, couldn't afford, and my dad couldn't afford the school fees. They were working class you know, parents, and they were working really hard to try to put me through a better education rather than the typical state school system that most people had. I was, you know, that got me into Leicester Grammar. And they basically turned around at 10 years old and said they couldn't afford the school fees anymore, but mum would be willing to take an evening job to cover it. But it means that I will see her in the evenings, and I wanted to see her, so I chose to go into the state school system. Now, at that point, my mother, obviously, and father had lost their certainty that their son would get a guaranteed university education, which is what parents of that era clearly wanted, yeah. Um, yeah. under the guise of thinking it would make you successful. Mm. Yeah, so uh, I, during the period of leaving the, the private school and going into the state school system, that summer holiday, my mother really drilled into me uh, consistently, day after day. You now, if you don't work hard on your own initiative now, then you, know, you won't get an education. You'll end up sleeping on a park bench. You'll be emptying the dustbins of the people you just went to school with and all this kind of stuff. get scared the crap out of me, to be fair. Yeah. And, uh, and I became, in those eight weeks, a committed overachiever because obviously the subtext is if I'm not good enough to achieve what my mother and father's expectations were i wouldn't be worthy of love I mean, right. we don't language it that way but that's essentially the wiring that gets formed unconsciously so at that point i can trace everything from 10 years old to being a massive overachiever now for the first yeah or the next 17 18 years till i was like in my late 20s that was all done to avoid insecurities Right. Yeah, and I became successful at everything I did, yeah. So whether doing, it was in the army cadets. So you're you know, didn't get away from that. Yeah. Yeah. Was, you know, I, how do I become the best? Now, ironically, the only thing I didn't do well in was school. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I dropped out of school at 16. But, you know, I started my first business at 17. You know, I was you know, all the hobbies I did. I was number one. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, everything was there but it was all about creating you know covering up insecurities as, as a young man and not being good enough and in my late 20s that switched i finally grew out of needing to be driven by the good opinion of others finally realizing that i was in you know, switching to being internally validated not externally validated and switching my primary driving need from significance and look at me and you know, hopefully keep looking at me to prove that i'm good enough uh to one of growth and contribution and that was the shift but the pattern, everything's got a two-edged sword. You know, the, the upside was it made me financially successful. You know, I was buying Ferraris for cash in my early 20s, yeah. uh, flying cardboard and doing all that. And the downside was I was massively unhappy and unfulfilled. Mm. But it taught me discipline. It taught me how to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning. It taught me how to not be answerable to somebody else and still swing the bat. It taught me how to really go out and make things happen. And that really now is far more effortless because I built the muscle to do it. Yeah. And in all fairness... Why wouldn't you want to embrace life unless you were scared? Hmm. You now, the achievement word for scared is, is stress. Hmm. So we, we tend to cover it up. But for me, I mean, I'm, I'm just so in love with living in a time in human history that our ancestors have dreamed about. Why wouldn't you want to get out there and, and, you know, and go dance? You know, go swing the bat. Go play the game. I mean, do you want to sit on the sidelines? Dude, yeah. come on. Yeah? So that's kind of the energy that I get up with in the morning, and, and it gets me up early. It keeps me up late. And, and it works for me. I get just as many problems as everybody else. But, yeah, I just see them differently.
0: Yeah. Can I just ask, um, when you were saying towards the end of your 20s, you started to have that switch, um, what did that sort of look and feel like? And was there almost like a defining moment where you just thought, God, enough enough? And then you had the, almost like an epiphany around that.
1: Uh, yes, actually. And, and I remember it very distinctly. And I was working at an event in Hilton Head. Uh, with Tony Uh, I was on his leadership team I was like an apprentice trainer and I was passed over for promotion because I wasn't ready and there was something that I got exposed to it was a a master trainer called Debbie uh, who is is a dear dear friend and an amazing soul she asked me a couple of questions that really made me go introspectively and I realized something that hit me like a ton of bricks it was that all of the memories of my past that I thought were memories were not memories, they were constructs. And the reason I discovered that was because whenever I thought of a previous scene in my life, I would look at it from the perspective of seeing me in that scene. Right. Now, clearly, you know, that's not a memory because you know if I was looking at what I remembered, I'd be looking through my own eyes, but I wasn't. I was seeing it almost like a, through a camera filming the scene which means that unconsciously I was always looking at my life from how I thought other people saw me. Right. And that was like, whoa, you mean my entire life of what I thought was memories is not memories, but a, a, a brain-generated construct based upon how I think other people see me. Whoa, what kind of life is that? That isn't authentic. That's and it, it really shook me. And And there's really been two... Levels or two stages in the maturation of the human psyche that are responsible for the emotional maturity that unfortunately most people never graduate through. Yeah, And those two yeah, um, levels of demarcation, if you want to call it that, are very pronounced and very real and very yeah, uh, evident. And the first one is when you finally become okay not being liked. Yeah. And many people never get to that. You know, we should teach that in school before people leave. Yeah. Some people get to a point where they're so, yeah, you know, at rock bottom by trying to tation machine and pleasing everybody and fitting everybody else's pictures. Yeah. That if I say you know screw it, you know fuck that, I'm done, and it's almost from a defiance perspective. I'm not going to be pushed around anymore. I'm not yeah. going to do that. Now, to be fair, enough is enough. Fuck off. Yeah, <laughs> but there's also still with that pattern commonly. A level of insecurity. It's just that the pendulum was swung back the other way. Yeah, and I'm going to define myself now by not caring. Uh, it's almost like I say it's a significance-driven level of defiance rather than a significance-driven level of, of needing approval and connection. Uh, you still there's a separation there. There's a screw you, but there's no authenticity. It's driven by proving to you that I don't need your <laughs> approval, uh, your permission, your anything. Not that just like, well, hang on, nothing to defend, nothing to conquer, nothing to prove. I'm going to show up who I am regardless. All of that other stuff doesn't affect me. Mm. Uh, and so you see there's a difference there. So, yeah, learning how to become okay not being liked is the first step really in, in maturing emotionally. And uh, for so, unfortunately, until you get to that level, you can never be authentic because you're always filtering what you think other people think and adapting your behavior consciously around it. So that's the first level. But the second key point, and this is what really shifted in my 20s at that that moment, was when I finally realized life is a growth-centric experience, not a comfort-centric experience. Yes. And if you don't know that, if you're not aware of that, you are coming from a a pseudo-Darwinian mentality of survival of the fittest, which means you're coming from a fear-based reference frame. Right. So therefore, you know, everything with teeth can eat me. You know, pretty true in Australia, probably. Yeah. Uh, or buy uh, you. Yeah. And um, yeah. And so if I'm in a gym and I'm not aware that it's a gym, I'm going to hide from this personal trainer guy that keeps making me lift weights and make my arms sore. I'm going to try to you know, uh, look as if I'm doing something, but do the minimum required to tick the box and get along because it's about me feeling good in the moment Uh, not me going to win the gold medal for the the marathon of life. The personal trainer's trying to help me win. Now, if I do know that I'm in a gym and life is a growth-centric experience and I'm here to grow into the best of who I can, how does that happen? Well, go back to the gym. In the physical example, it's challenge. Now, adversity is nothing more than your workout in the gym. And if you're coming at it from the perspective of a muscle fiber, Oh my God, this is so heavy. Please stop lifting me. I'm being broken down. You know, send messages to the brain. This is painful. Stop. Then you're going to avoid all of the stuff that you need to go through in order to grow. You're going to think that life's comfort centric and you're going to get upset when life doesn't fit your pictures. But if you realize that life is growth centric, you take the perspective of the athlete. And yet, you're proud that you're trying to bust out that last rep, and you're straining every sinew in 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 the arm. You can't lift your arm for two days, and you feel proud about that. You're good that you busted that. You high five the personal trainer if you can lift your arm. Yeah. Now, if you're not throwing up in thirty minutes, you want your money back. You know. So uh, that's the two major levels of growth that people, you know, would benefit so much from from an emotional maturity perspective. Become okay not being liked. You know, you get as many hate websites as Donald Trump. You'll be doing well. Yeah. Yeah. And then understand that life is a growth-centric experience. And your challenges is part of your workout. Embrace it because you're here to win the gold medal, not sit on the couch and hide.
0: Hmm. I um, I think it, it, it was in a, a podcast only a couple of weeks ago with a with a young gentleman here in Western Australia called Lachlan Samuel, who has been through a couple of attempted suicides and now whoosh, He's he's creating the life he wants and is supporting the people and is being of service. And I've just seen numerous similarities in people's stories over the 80 episodes of WA Real. And I asked him, and I suppose I asked you the same question, but the way you've kind of already answered it by saying that life is a growth-centric experience, where I almost said, do you think there's a strange, sick, humorous part of the human experience that means that we kind of have to go into the dark spots and and have a shitty time i mean my own shitty time is part of the reason that created wa real that we have to go into those things into that darkness so we can spring out into the light and and i suppose listening to you the answer is yes if you chose to view it as a shitty time i mean when you're in the middle of it it sometimes it does feel like that but then takes a week two weeks six weeks later and you look at it and go that's where the gold came from
1: hundred percent, because again, use the physical analogy. We're all familiar with that. Uh, how do you feel in the middle of a workout where your personal trainer is pushing you to the limit? You know, okay. It's all about perspective. Uh, if, you, if you think he's there to bully you because you know, you're being punished uh, by life you know, because you know, it's not comfortable anymore, then you're going to have a very different experience to being a professional footballer, an athlete that is so freaking committed to wanting to, yeah, you know, throw up in 60 minutes or whatever, right? To know that they've they've given everything they can because that means they'll come back stronger. And, yeah. and, and if you think that yeah you know, you're here to avoid growth, then you're avoiding the primary yeah you know, rules of nature. Everything yeah. grows and contributes, but it's taken out of the food chain. And so yeah, if we think we're different, life's going to come find you. Yep. And if you haven't trained for you know, a year because you've successfully hidden, your next workout's going to be a bitch.
0: Yeah. And life's going to deliver it as such.
1: Yeah. And of course, you know, the, you know, the dark night of the soul is from the perspective of the muscle fiber, not the perspective of the athlete. Hmm. Yeah, the, 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 the deep valleys we have to go down allow us to appreciate the view from the top of the mountain. Yeah, the challenge is people live under the illusion in 21st century reality that they can get a really good view without straining their legs to climb. That doesn't work, nor should it work, right? So, you know, having that sense of appreciation for why we're here, that sense of understanding for why we're here, shifts the game completely. And it's a choice. You can choose to look at life one or two ways. I've got news for you. Life doesn't care. doesn't. But if you can smile walking into the lion's den and let go of what it is that you fear to lose, you'll have a very different experience. And, and also for a lot of people, a lot of it is also not being able to reconcile um, their, their fear of death. A lot of people are gripped by their that. If, if you're scared of death, I've got news for you. You're not really scared of death. You're scared of being alive. You're scared of living
0: because
1: hmm. you're always filtering it through, oh, would this threaten my survival or security? So if you haven't reconciled death, which, by the way, is pretty inevitable according to the last account, uh, it means you just don't know what it means. And for me, you know, death is very simple. It's not the opposite of life, simply the opposite of birth. And at some point, I'm going to check out of the final scene in this movie and go pick up another script. And wherever that takes me, that's great. And if I'm here to serve, which I believe I am, and I'm needed on another yeah, part of the, uh, uh, the lot in another movie because my acting there is going to help some other people, and that means I need to be pulled out of this movie a little sooner, and go put to work somewhere else, I'm a sensor. I'm here to serve. That's not a problem.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah, well, I miss you guys. It's been a great movie. Yeah. But um, I'm required somewhere else. Done.
0: Yeah. the whole. I've often thought about how our perspective of death affects everyday decisions. And um, it's been intriguing, actually, because one of the things I've, I've done as a consequence of WA real is start to go and and um, provide legacy interviews for people who are uh, terminally ill. And mm. Beautiful. yeah, for, for a number of reasons. One, that it, it, it really helps those people to connect with some of the greater parts of their lives at a time when they, they're they probably struggling to do that. But mainly um, it gives them an opportunity to get everything out. And most important, all their life lessons and their nuggets out and captured for the family to enjoy long after you know, the, the emotion of somebody departing is, is passed or reduced. Um, what I find for myself, because everybody gets a, an amount of benefit from the situation, is that to, to actually go and be close to somebody who's close to checking out and ask them the questions, which I have to do in order to provide a, a beneficial experience to them, it, yeah, it's very confronting and it's made me really think about it and to actually sit there and ask somebody who knows that they're about to check out and say, so what's your thoughts on death? You know, It takes a certain amount of bravery, I think, what it did for me to just ask those questions and then to sit there and be okay with that and okay with the answer. And, um, yeah, a lot of what WA Real about is, is picking up the growth, little nuggets of lessons from different people, but most of my guests in here probably believe that they're in the middle part of the film whereas actually going and speaking to people who who know that the credits are coming up shortly, you get a different level of focus. And so it's been very interesting, very interesting indeed. Uh, I
1: mm. can imagine. I and I tend to live in 30-year in seasons. Most people live in 20-year in seasons. Yeah, that's kind of the cultural imposition. You know, north to twenties is their spring, 20 to 40 is summer, 40 to 60 is autumn, and 60 to 80 is winter. That's how a lot of people kind of frame their life path, in. You know, if you were to overlay it with, with that kind of metaphor. Whereas if you were to just shift five-year seasons, uh, an additional five years, yeah, you'd be living to 100. You know, I live in 30-year seasons. You know, I'm 46 right now. I am literally yeah just crossing over the midpoint of the summer i am so excited i'm more excited about the next 45 years than the last 45 years you know yeah uh, and so yeah i i have no issues around you know sort of the longevity of that and again if i'm if i need to be called out of this movie uh, in advance and uh, and go somewhere else then yeah not not a problem so yeah it's great to have that level of perspective and you know, also see when it's really real you know when people do know that they're in the last scenes of their movie and, and what that means because you have to come to terms with that Otherwise, you go kicking and screaming, and that that's even worse. Well, that's going to be a and painful, painful to and I'm sure you found this as well. Ben. There's so many people that yeah, and, and there's been books written on this, and there's, there's you know nurses that worked in hospices that have, have played this that said that almost you know, not one person I think they came across didn't finally come to terms with the fact that well, yeah, this is just what's going to happen. I'm okay with it, and yeah, you may regret some of the things you didn't do. Uh, but, you know, you, you get another shot at that. But you know, letting go of all of the triviality of what we spend most of our time worrying about is, is probably one of the biggest lessons there. You know, we should have spent less time worrying about stuff that didn't actually happen. You know, it's like paying interest on a debt that you don't have yet. And, uh, uh, and just yeah. coming to terms with, wow, what, what are you doing with the gift that you got? It comes back to your first question. You know, why, why am I excited about waking up and being alive? I mean, because I'm on set. Yeah, that's a yep. no film
0: it is and i'm in it so um so so one of the things i wanted to ask ask you about or or to expand upon and share with with my listeners is um the the four levels of consciousness um Mm -hmm. because for me when i first heard you talk about this it was like oh jesus christ i can see things like opening out in front of me, I, the yeah. different things that people were saying started to make sense. The energy that I was picking up from them started to make sense. The the way I was interacting with them or not started to make sense. And then other things started to make sense in terms of why is it that when I end up with this person, I get dragged into this and then when I'm not with them, I can be like this. And um, yeah, so if you could share that, I'd be really appreciative.
1: No, absolutely. And again you're you're obviously familiar with one of my my favorite books which is power versus force and um, what hawkins does uh, he he really delineates this uh into um well i mean 16 odd levels of uh, of consciousness uh, and i like to make things look simpler and you can chunk his levels into the four levels that i put uh, put together and and really it's a great way of chunking stuff because If you talk about the 13-letter word that that baffles science that they continuously and willfully ignore, it's the word consciousness. Yes. Traditional Newtonian physics, Newtonian paradigm, which is 100 years old, out of date, and now proven to be completely false and non-existent, is subject to thinking that the physical brain creates somehow consciousness. It doesn't, never has, never will. The brain doesn't create consciousness any more than the television creates programs. uh trying to put a framework around understanding it is useful because it's so nebulous that on one side, you've got the esotericism of, you know, some woo-woo, let's all be out there in the ether and, and do a happy dance. yeah. And on the other side, you've got this biological imperative that, you know, it has to be some neurological function of the brain. So, yeah, I I tend to chunk it to uh, into four categories, which make it easier to understand other people because... One thing I've learned out of 30 years of doing what I do in personal growth, yeah, 30 years this year, is that you can slice and dice things many different ways. You know, you've, got, you've got a visual or auditory. You've got the Enneagram. You've got, you, know, you can categorize people a thousand ways, but primarily the biggest predictor of behavior, the biggest factor in how somebody shows up day-to-day is their level of consciousness. Case closed. I don't care of their history, their family, their um, circumstance, their wealth, their, their poverty, It doesn't. their religious, but it doesn't matter. Their level of consciousness it will govern their predictability in almost any situation. Hmm. And so the four levels are quite easy when, when you look at them. And, again, there's many different ways you can drill down within each, but to make it simple that people can relate to, the first level is the level of what I call to me. And to me is the level of victimhood because the mantra of the people that calibrate at this level are, you know, I would have the life that I want. I would be a, you know, drive the car I want. I would have the woman I want, but everything happens to me. It's the quintessential, yeah. uh, uh, Blaming everybody else for my own uh, circumstances and avoiding personal responsibility for anything that happens in my life because it is a, fast way to avoid the requirement of courage. It doesn't take courage yeah. to be a victim. Yeah, yeah. It's courage to transcend that paradigm and take ownership of everything that happens in your life. Yes, everything. Oh, I sat at the traffic lights and somebody hit me from behind. That's not my fault. Well, yeah, where do you want to draw the line? Mm. Do you want to slice and dice it or do you want to take ownership of everything that happens in your life? Because the gray area there isn't gray. Uh, you either do or you don't. And you live a life of magnificence and empowerment, or you live a life of misery and victimhood, depending on which one of those you choose. And there's a lot of people that spend a lot of time to me, sometimes a lifetime or more. Yes. But if you finally realize that you know that isn't a fun place to be, life will continually pour crap all over you if you start playing or singing that song. And so the next level past that is the level called Buy Me. This is where you go from being a victim to graduating into being an achiever. And it's like, whoa, 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 hang on a minute. This you know, this waiting for life to give me a winning lottery ticket ain't working. Uh, in yep. fact, yeah, everything I'm losing right now, it's getting worse, and I'm digging a deeper hole, and uh, the sun ain't shining. It's getting colder. So I've decided that instead of moaning the fact that the fire hasn't lit itself, I'm actually going to go out and chop some wood. Yep. Hey, what a thought. And you go out and you start making stuff happen. You become an achiever. You get it because if the world's going to happen the way I want it to happen uh, to fit my pictures, then it's only going to happen by me. And so you go from to me to by me. And and that really is a real big demarcation. And it's probably the sweet spot of personal development. Personal development yeah. is focused on getting people out of this victimhood. You know, wake up, shake up, set goals, get out there, go get them, cowboy. You can do it. You know, motivate yourself off the couch. Uh, and that's really the the whole path of you know to me to buy me. But buy me is exhausting. Now, oh. don't get me wrong, it beats the hell out of to me. Right? But it's exhausting. And there's so many people trapped in buy me that yeah, uh, they are burnt out, borderline depressed, you know, on a hamster on a wheel, chasing a rabbit they can't catch, uh, hoping that yeah, you're gonna find this magical pile of gold at the end of a rainbow. And the challenge is that yeah. You know, People in by me spend their life confusing a, a path of chasing success with a pass, path of chasing fulfillment. Mm. Not understanding the two are very different. And fulfillment really comes far more in the next level of consciousness, which is what I call through me. Through me is where life flows. It flows through you. You don't have to go out chasing it. You attract what it is that you want. Yeah? You flow with the bends of the river. You don't complain at the bends of the river. Yeah, you sail the rapids. You don't fight the rapids. Yeah, you, you go with, you know, what shows up from a place of non-resistance, conscious non-resistance to navigate your boat better in the current rather than try to fight the current. And through me is is a very different place. That's where I try to spend most of my time living. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason for that is in by me, I spent a lot of my life fighting reality and the son of a bitch kept winning. Yeah. Right. And so once I started to flow with the river of life and spent my energy in positioning myself better in the river rather than fighting the river, everything started to shift. Life became far more effortless. And it's not about saying, oh, I want to go this way. Right. Because every river bends. And if you are going straight and you're happy and the river suddenly takes a left turn, well, guess what? Most people in Byme take a shovel out and start digging a channel through the bank to continue the straight line that they thought was the way to their destination. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's a big waste of energy. No, sail with the left turn, go with it because the river will usually always catapult you back around the way you want it to go and you'll have taken in some extra scenery. So for me, through me is a great place to play, and far less hassle. And then the, the highest level of consciousness is really as me, as is where there is no separation. Yeah, you see yourself in everything else, everyone else. Yeah, you know, it's, it's where duality essentially disappears. It dissipates. You, yeah. you know, the, the spiritual term for that is oneness. Mm. You become a sense of enlightenment where, yeah, you really uh, see this earth based physical matter reality as uh, kind of a training school. Uh, It's kind of a, you know, it's it's a kindergarten based training school where people are here to learn how to grow up. There has to be a sense of separation to create the journey back to oneness. And that's not everybody's game. You don't have to play the Enlightenment game. Mm. There's very few games on earth that are mandatory playing. I'll give you the only three that really count. One is the money game. You kind of got to master the money game. Otherwise, it'll master you yeah right? we just live in a society where money's been created as an exchange of value, and if you don't know how to manage money effectively, I've got news for you. All right it'll show up yeah, in your life. health game mandatory mm. you can't not play the health game yeah. if you don't make time for health, you'll have to make time for illness yeah, It's a binary equation yeah right? third game is the relationship game. you need to learn how to play the relationship game consciously and master it otherwise you'll get feedback of being unhappy, miserable, yeah, alone. Mm. Yeah, and uh, and yeah, essentially unhappy and loveless. Yeah. So those three are the only games that you really are forced into playing by the fact that you're here. But mm. every other game, including the yeah, the enlightenment game, some people are just happy being in by me for, or to me for the next five lifetimes. Yeah, that's their choice. Their choice. It's not mandatory.
0: Mm. Yeah.
1: Uh, escalating feedback, but it's not mandatory. But asme, once you get to asme, you kind of graduate school. You probably don't have to come back. You'll, you'll be sent to college wherever the hell that is next, right? Probably not hell, to be fair. But, yeah. you know, that, 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 that's it's So understanding that everybody can reside at these different levels. And there's a difference between a state of consciousness and a stage of consciousness. The a difference? stage is where you kind of hang out. That's your set point. Yeah. But you can go into different states temporarily. Yeah. You can visit. If you're generally a loving person and you've got a great heart, and your natural ground of being is one of contributing and adding value rather than taking and being egocentric, you can still have states where you enter anger or disappointment or grief or frustration. That's mm. okay. But you'll naturally gravitate back to your stage of consciousness. So um, you're home um, place and just
0: going on a holiday to that state
1: and coming back. Yeah, you, you visit it. It's almost a bit like you, know, you take a trampoline. Yeah? When you're standing still, you're kind of at you know, a fixed level. Now you can bounce up and down within a range.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, if you're generally angry, you can bounce up to times where you're completely blissful and loving. But at some point, you're going to come back down to where you've, you know where you live. Yeah, you know, not where you visit. and you're going to come home. Where's home for most people? Do you spend most of your time in to me, you know, by me, through me? Now I doubt It's as me because if it's as me, you probably wouldn't be you know here. You'd be you know on some celestial plane or in a monastery somewhere, you know, meditating 20 hours a day. Yeah. So and, and that's okay. No, nothing right or wrong with that, nor is it a destination that I'm I'm wrapped up in. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm here to basically live my truth, be authentic, place one foot in front of the other, uh, and see where that leads me, hopefully in, in higher levels of growth at whatever pace. And if that means that I get to wherever the mythical level of enlightenment is as, as me this lifetime, a hundred lifetimes, I have no attachment to that. Yeah, you know, my, my job is to try to live as much in through me as I can.
0: Hmm.
1: Now, for the, for those who don't know, this you talk about
0: your, your path and where it takes you, and et etc. Cetera, et cetera. Your path took you on a very interesting turn in the last 12 18 months. Do you want to do you want to enlighten us on that and how you take the stuff that you've learned and apply it to somewhat of an ex, um, extreme situation?
1: Well, I, I call it a graduation event, <laughs> yeah, and the fact that we're here in Earth School. Yeah. Uh, or, or the gym. you're going to have you know if you're in the gym have, you're going to
0: have actually, sorry to butt in i've actually heard other um another person call, refer to life on earth as the the masterclass to graduate from the masterclass in overcoming limitations
1: yeah uh, and yeah. You know, we will get graduation events here in earth uh, school and and that's part of the game hmm. so you know if you are if you're a relationship teacher expect to be challenged in your relationship to see if you can walk your talk yeah if you're a personal trainer expect to have a, a an unexpected health challenge to see if, if you can you know overcome it to be able to demonstrate that you are qualified to teach it yeah yeah that's just how life operates it's, it's a, a closed loop system of, of that you know walking your talk
0: that's very much coming back to what i was saying earlier on about you know life presenting these events that then thrusts you out into the light later
1: yeah. Mm. Yeah. and so for me yeah, I've been teaching you know, how to essentially be positive and, and apply yourself and, and become the best of who you are, regardless of the situation. It was only inevitable I was going to have a graduation event that <laughs> tested that. And, uh, and yes, I, I found myself uh, completely unexpectedly um, serving six months in one of the toughest jails in, in England as the only non-criminal following a uh, what I, I dismissed, unfortunately as a contempt of court application, which I thought was just a chess move uh, by the other side, in a civil action that I was arguing the toss over in, you know, in court. You know, just for a business deal we'd done years before with a major multinational. Hmm. I thought they were being unreasonable. I thought they were doing financial bullying. Uh, I resisted that I Threw a contempt of court application at me. Uh, I thought you know, I'd be able to explain things away in five minutes and the judge would throw it out. And instead he threw me in jail. And, wow. yeah, I, I lost pretty much everything. Uh, I went from 53 staff to three staff in three weeks. Um, all the money got spent. Uh, I got, you know, a, a big fan base that was suddenly going, what the, f-? you know, yeah. uh, what happened? Cause I hadn't given anybody any background or context. Cause I really didn't give it any credibility. I thought it would, you know, this would be a way to get it thrown out of court. And no, the next minute I find myself banged up with murderers, drug dealers, you know, terrorists, arsonists and, and rapists. and uh, And some of the worst people in society. And, as it was looking like that was going to happen, I turn around to, to my girl at the time and I said, wow, I, uh, I could be going away for a holiday here, honey. She's like, well, why, why, why? What's happening? Why is this? Why is this happening? Why is the river bending this way? And I'm like, look, you know, we, we, you've been around me long enough to know that, you know, you don't fight the bends in the river. You, know, you sail the best you can and you don't purposely head to a waterfall, but you sail the best you can. And if that's where the river's bending and that's where it's going to take me, then there's a reason for it. And, you know, I've been lucky enough to have influenced millions of people around the world over the last 20 years through my work. And maybe the people that could benefit the most are the people that never really get to see that because they're in somewhere like Pentonville, which is you know, one of the worst prisons in, in Europe. Hmm. And if life wants to send me there to go hold a torch or a candle for some of these people and hold a space for them and help them, honey, let me go do my work. And that's what happened. I, I ended up spending four and a half months in Pentonville before they finally transferred me to a, an open, you know, sort of prison holiday camp, open jail. And in that four and a half months, I, you yeah, know, I went in as a secret agent of change. Mm. I didn't for one second see myself as a prisoner. I went in knowing that my mission was to go there to help people. That my mission was there to try to shift the system from the inside out to get people from stopping to commit suicide to getting them off drugs to helping shift their mindset and their belief system and their level of consciousness that had put them in there in the first place, and so I went in and yeah, tried to do the best I could in in, in the exam that I had and yeah and answer the questions as best I could yeah you know, in in the you know the way that I did, and what was unique was I every two weeks I wrote to my senior coaching groups, essentially uh letting them in on what was happening and taking them along for the ride mm. and saying, look, I don't know what's going to happen here because I don't, you know, it's unfolding in real time, but you know, here's what's happening. Here's you know, the, the story. Here's what I'm doing. Here's the tools, the techniques, you know, the beliefs, the, um, you know, uh, the, 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 methods that I'm using to essentially have an absolute blast in what was one of the most challenging environments I'd ever faced. And those letters Essentially formed a uh, a, um, a a path of what was happening, and when I came out, my students turned around and said, "We'd learnt more in the eleven letters that I wrote than following me around the world for the last two years." Yeah, It says, "You have to you have to publish these," and I'm like, "Well, they weren't written for the public; they were written for you guys." He says, "I know, but this is life changing stuff," and so last year we, you know, I, I took those eleven letters you know, as they are, and I published them in a book. Called the Inside Track, and I'm very proud to say that you know, it went bestseller list in two hours. It made Amazon number one in four hours. It sold to 20 plus countries on the first day, and if you read the reviews on every Amazon platform, it, it's pretty much changed the lives of everybody that's read it. And I'm, I'm very humbled by that. So yeah. you know, that that came out, and while I was there, you know, I won national awards for for the work I was doing to help get people off drugs. You know, I was stopping suicides, you know, I, I write all of the techniques that I was using in in the book, you know, in the letters on how to break it down. I mean, one guy, I've got 10 minutes to stop him from committing suicide permanently. You know, you can change anybody in the moment. You can change somebody's state in the moment. But what happens when they're back in their cell and thinking the same thoughts they thought you know, yeah. before? Back so, on their you know, how, how do you shift their level of consciousness? How do you reframe or recontextualize the event that they're linking that much depression to in a way that means they can't go back? And you do it in 10 minutes. How do you do that? So I break down all my techniques um, and to teach people because, you know, that may not be somebody committing suicide that you meet. That may be your teenage son that's depressed over his exam results, Yeah, you know, but it's the same methods. So, yeah, that's um uh, that was, uh, to this day, I'll be honest, probably one of the most incredible and awe-inspiring adventures that I've ever had the privilege of living.
0: Mm. It's incredible to hear you call it an awe-inspiring adventure.
1: I'll be honest, I'm starting to go a little more gray since I came out. There's more stress on the outside. I think than going back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I had a great time, and yeah, of course, there was tough moments. Yeah. You know, I write about that in my, in my third letter. I talk about you know the times I cried. I talk about the times I, I doubted myself. I Talk about the times where you know I questioned everything. Uh, you know, would I ever teach again? Would would people ever think that I was credible again? Would you know, would I ever get the opportunity? What you know, I was facing with you know, I'd lost my business. I was about to lose my house. You know, I was hundreds of thousands in, in debt in legal fees. Um, you know, i yeah, th- 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 this wasn't a cushy deal. You know, th- this was a pretty tough graduation event and all I could do was the best that I could yeah. and I-, I didn't know where that was going to lead and one of the first things I did when I went in, I, I took a sign uh, I-, I took a piece of paper and I wrote a sign which is a quote from Napoleon Hill out of The Great Thinking Grow Rich and uh, I put a picture of this in the book and it was one of his sayings that goes every adversity carries with it the seed of an equivalent or greater benefit
0: mm.
1: and I stuck that above my cell door and I read it every day and I knew that most of the time, the adversities that we get are, are gifts that are wrapped in a thin layer of paper called adversity to stop people stealing a gift. The challenge is that so many people are way too busy bitching about the adversity to focus on watering the seed. And so they never get the gift. And it becomes a way to reinforce their victimhood into to me for the next 10 years or a way to define themselves through the secondary gain of the significance they get by telling their, you know, I'm a victim story, whatever it may be. And I was just determined that that was not going to happen. It couldn't happen, not for, for who I was and what I stood for. And what What are some of the What are
0: some of the gifts and things that have started to flourish as a result of that time? I
1: mean, I mean the, the, book the what itself is obviously the book. I mean, I'm now affecting way more people at a much deeper level that, that read the book or listen to the audio than. Um, than I yeah than I had before the reach has, has been incredible. I've signed a movie deal. We're, we're going into production uh, this yeah. year on a movie for the uh, yeah, uh, for it. Um, and uh, it helped inspire people from uh, you know, seeing the real stuff. Yeah, this, this this there was no cameras. There was no second takes. There was no rehearsals. This you know, this is about as real as it gets. Three deaths in one week was the worst week I was in pentland and this mm-hmm. was a real place. Mm-hmm. And so and uh, that that's been a gift. You know, I some of the people that I uh, I was helping. I, I gave scholarships to my business school when when they came out. So they've uh, and they've gone on to create magic. You know, one of the the, the prisoners. Uh, I break this down in in chapter nine, where I'm with a guy that's that's there for for violence and isn't who he is, and he's already been found guilty. He's awaiting sentence, and he's looking at three years mandatory. And I, I do an intervention with him on the first night in the cell, and he breaks down, he's in tears, we uncover all of these patterns, he has this massive transformation, and I write a letter for him to copy to the judge for his sentencing, and he goes up, and the judge reads the letter, and she said she'd never read a letter like it in 20 years, and she lets him go. She releases him on, on yeah, uh, parole, a conditional bail. And he was so thankful, so grateful, and he's such an amazing guy, and he's, he's had such a transformation. Uh, I'm now Godfather to his son. Wow. Uh, so many things that have come out of that that, you know, that have helped me define who I am, helped me look at people in a different light, helped me control some of my ego, which you know, put me there when I was in court, helped me you know, uh, essentially have more compassion, tolerance, and understanding for some of the fallen angels of society, and, uh, and really you know, open my eyes to things that I've only ever seen on TV and didn't think were real <laughs> until I experienced them. Yeah. So, yeah, there, there was, I mean, so many, a whole other podcast on the gifts that came out of that, but that, that gives you a highlight.
0: Hmm. Wow. Fascinating. I mean, yeah, I, I was lucky enough to receive some of those chapters and I started reading the first couple. And I was like, whoa. It's full on. Um, wanted to ask you another question about accountability because it's something that sort of popped up in my life recently, and I know... From seeing you on other podcasts and other in, in listening to you before, you're big on accountability, and um, it, it's it's a topic that I'm sort of exploring at the moment. I find that it, at times it's easier to, to make a commitment and be accountable to a group or another person, but ultimately, surely the the greatest accountability would be to ourselves. But then the hardest thing to do is be accountable to ourselves because of the convenient truths and lies that we sometimes tell ourselves um yeah and it's something just i'm just playing with and exploring so i wondered if i could just take your take on accountability
1: sure you you highlight one of the biggest challenges and that is that uh, if we take the human brain it has a very specific job to do I mean, it's got lots of jobs to do, but there's there's a very specific job that it masters and it is amazing at. And the the brain's job and the mind's job is to essentially make you feel right about where you currently are emotionally. Right. The mind is an expert at justifying your current actions, thoughts, and behaviours based upon your immediate emotional state. So I'll give you an example. So if you're angry and you're feeling the emotion of anger, your brain will justify why you should apologize. Yeah. If you're exhausted and the alarm goes off at five o'clock and you're meant to go to the gym, your brain will find a perfectly sounding, esoteric reason that soothes the ego, that completely justifies why you should press the snooze button 15 times. All based on lies, all based on on untruth, all designed to make you feel good about your current emotional state. That's its job, and it is damn good at doing. It's a masterful. So when it comes to trying to hold ourselves accountable to ourselves, we're fighting that mechanism, which is why most people don't have the willpower to sustain behavior over time that they don't feel like doing. Yeah. Which is why if you essentially hold yourself accountable to somebody else, you're evoking a different methodology which is i don't want to feel less than in the eyes of somebody else by letting them down or not feeling good enough or feeling yeah uh, as if i'm uh, i'm less than them or whatever it is or because that is a greater motivation a lot of the time than the current mood or state that you're feeling so if you don't have a big enough why if you if you haven't mastered one of the first levels of personal growth, which is to act bigger than your current emotional state. Right. You need accountability from a peer group. Does mm. that make sense?
0: Yes. That's why it's, it's easier to commit to getting up at five o'clock. It's easy to get up at five o'clock if the night before you've already said to your mate, I'll see you at half
1: five. Absolutely. You, 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 you can't get out of it. Or it's a lot harder for the brain to come up with a justification. Yeah, because yeah. it'll say, oh, just tell him you hurt your ankle, you can't train. But then the other party says, yeah, but I haven't hurt my ankle. Uh, yeah. it's, you know, the, the, it's harder for the brain to justify that. Um, yeah. And again, depending on your level of consciousness, which is primary, which it governs everything, if you're coming from a place of growth rather than comfort, that's an easy call to make. Yeah, I'm committed to get to the gym at 5 o'clock and going through a workout, yeah, yeah. even though I'm tired, even though I'm sore, even though I don't feel like it, because I said I would. Now, when you are you know, a person who can keep your word to yourself, you will start living life at a completely different level to the masses in the population who are, by observation, going nine miles an hour to nowhere. Yeah. That's, that should be your first How do you master yourself? Well, very simple. Stop trying to complicate it, boil it down to this one thing. Am I able to keep my word to myself, regardless of my emotional state? Case closed.
0: Yeah. Easier said than done. How do people get there? Of course. (laughs) Yeah.
1: If it was easy, everybody would do it. And then we wouldn't need to be in school. Mm. We'd be on a beach. Yeah, Life isn't comfort-centric, it's growth-centric. Earn the beach. Earn the beach. Hmm. You have to earn the beach body. Absolutely. You you don't wake up after a curry and a pizza and with a six pack. No, you you know, you commit to yourself. You have discipline. You get to the gym. You work hard, and you know, you walk down, and everybody else with a a beer belly says, "Oh wow, I wish I had a body like that." As if somehow you were gifted it through some genetic expression, rather than saying, "No, I'm not having the curry and the pizza."
0: Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, obviously, as we've talked about, you've been you've had numerous entrepreneurial journeys. You've uh, had your recent experience in Penderville. You've had um, the opportunity to work and stand, share a stage with numerous um, very impressive and influential people. Um, you don't get to just talk about what and, and articulate what you've just articul- articulated over the last half an hour or so without going on quite a journey. What have you learned about yourself on your journey?
1: <laughs> um, that, that, that's obviously a, uh, a permanent work in progress. Yeah. You know, nobody arrives being done. If, if you yeah. think you're done, expect a bus to come along and take you out of the game. Yeah. Really? that's any, Anyone thinks they're done, you know, you, you'll get hit by a bus because you don't need to be in school anymore. Yeah. So yeah, hopefully I'm still avoiding the bus. Yeah. Now, but learning about myself, I, I've learned, you know, again, I've learned the tricks my mind plays. Uh, I've learned uh, a lot about what my, uh, you know, what I think my truth and my destination is, and it evolves. Hmm. You know, what may be my truth tomorrow may not be my truth currently. And what is that you truth I mean? currently? Uh, well, my truth is to be able to share my message at the moment, and I'm focusing on helping high level senior executives, business professionals, you know, make that shift of a life chasing success to life chasing fulfillment. And, you know, I'm, I'm putting together some of my best work around that. Um, yeah, uh, I'm my truth right now is to get out of England. I'm going to be moving to the Canary Islands shortly, but that may, yeah, may be temporary, maybe permanently. I know I like sunshine mm, rather than, yeah. in fact, I'm, I'm very close to, to making a call on, on coming to Australia. I love Australia. In fact, there's somebody in Australia, Melbourne. I'm, I'm, I'm really keen to see and you know, with, uh, with the potential of maybe moving over. So. You know, there's, there's lots of, of you know, opportunities that present themselves. One has to know what one's truth is. Otherwise, you'll run off on emotional tangents. Yes. And, yeah, Australia feels good for me. I love Australia. And you know, one of the challenges, it's so far away from everything. You know, if, if, you, if you're doing business in Australia, living in Australia is amazing. If you're doing business with the rest of the world, it sucks. But that's yes. okay because, you know, you have great people, great weather, you know, um, good beer, and uh, and lots of other you know, cool stuff. Uh, but, yeah, so my, my truth about who I am, what I do, it's evolving. And it could be different tomorrow. I've got to be okay with that. What I need to do is understand what is my emotional insecurities that are calling me to try to tempt me down a path of comfort mm-hmm. versus what am I committed to growing? Uh, because doing that is, is your that's your compass, that's your guide point. Yes. Uh, and I'm excited about getting back to Australia soon. I really am.
0: Hmm. so what what do you think the next three to five years looks like for peter sage
1: definitely a couple more books you know my next book is really going to be a masterclass in understanding contextually the role that adversity plays in life hmm. and learning how to spot its different sources because different adversities happen for different reasons and if you're not aware of them it's like being in the gym and not knowing it's a gym. It's like, oh, why well, am I doing squats? Damn, oh, God, I mean, I know they're forcing me into aerobics class. Damn, you know. And yeah. and so having a context for that changes everything. And uh, the book after that is probably going to be my autobiography because uh, there's, there's definitely a few stories I'd like to share. that I'm, I'm, The world's not ready for yet. Or certainly I'm certainly not ready to share yet. <laughs> uh, I'm sure a few more stories to come that'll be in there, and I'm, I'm excited about that because I think that'll help inspire people. But generally speaking, the direction of travel, is a uh, and yeah you know, what I try to keep my uh you know, myself focused on one foot in front of the other in the right way yeah and that's you know and that's that's all about how do I serve how do I grow not how do I take or you know what's in it for me mm. and I find that life flows perfectly and solutions or um will be presented opportunities will be presented I get a lot of opportunities right now I just say no to and they're amazing opportunities they're just not my truth yeah so yeah, more more of hopefully what I think I'm doing at the moment. But who knows? Hmm. Maybe I'll become a you know a monk on top of a mountain. Yeah, can't see that happening. Um, or, or a Hollywood actor. Can't see that happening. Yeah, yeah, I know. But I'm open. Yeah, my truth is my truth, and and my job is to tune into that as it happens.
0: One of the questions I've started to ask guests because I like to ask, what do you up to in the next? What do you see yourself up to in the next three to five years? And then you get an answer. And then my next question I like to ask is. Um, that version of yourself from five years in five years time, what is it telling you to do next?
1: Uh, Stay on track. Stay on track. Yeah. Yeah. Don't get distracted Mm. Um, because it's very easy in today's society. You know, I've, my my profile is is higher than before I went away. You know, people are raving about the book. Um, You know, I'm, I'm, I'm on bigger and bigger stages. Very easy for that to start slipping into an ego based, you know, significance trip. And I need yeah. to be mindful of that. Yeah, I need to, you know, stay grounded, stay humble, uh, come to a place of reminding myself that, as I said right at the beginning, I'm just a guy. Yeah, I'm very fortunate to have had quite a unique story, but everybody's got a unique story. And, yeah, uh, and not get sucked into a regression of consciousness rather than a progression of consciousness. Hmm.
0: What does Peter do to keep himself grounded?
1: Ah. Um I love my dogs. You know, I, I, I've, I spend a lot of time connecting with my dogs. So I walk my dogs. In fact, you know, I'm looking at all of what would have to happen to get my dogs from, you know, from here to Australia actually, on, on a uh, potential yeah. move. Uh, that's non-negotiable. Uh, I'd never no, let them go. Um, I would, uh, you know, I, I always connect or look at people that are less fortunate than me in many respects. You know, one of my, you know, one of my mantras is raising the significance of others. And so coming from a place of, of humility, knowing that I can learn something from everybody. I don't yeah. care if they're a crack addict that I just meet in Pentonville, which you know, there were many. Yeah, I don't care if they're somebody who is some narcissistic, you know, sort of uh, you know, uh, egocentric, you know, destructive force. There's something I can learn from this, even if it's learning what not to be. Yeah, mm. I don't come from a place of superiority. I'm better than you because I've walked a better path than you because that's, that's an instant recognition. of the fact that they're on a higher path than I am.
0: <laughs> yeah. Hmm. And, um, the final question that I've been asking my guests recently is if you could take one little nugget and chuck it up into the uh, collective consciousness. So everybody just gets it. What would
1: that be? It would have to be that, yeah, you know, if you were to come from a place of knowing that no matter what you've done, no matter what you've not done, you're worthy of love. Yeah. That would stop so many people trying to seek it outside of themselves, trying to prove themselves, trying to do you know, question themselves, force others into their agenda. It would it would it would instantly eliminate eighty plus percent of the drama that plagues most people's lives when they come from a place of nothing to defend, nothing to conquer, nothing to prove, and no matter what I've done, no matter what I've not done, I'm worth love. Now yeah. I can go live this incredible life yeah, rather than, yeah, try to adapt to what I think has to happen in order for me to get love.
0: You're sitting there with absolutely no push or pull around you. I remember sitting in, in a yeah, in, um, in room with a chap who was a counselor who was giving me some help with some stuff and just sitting there and bawling, saying, and he's like, what's up? And I said, I've just worked it out. This is what's that he says, I'm a nice guy. I'm capable of love. I'm capable of loving, and I'm ca- and and, and I'm, I'm wholly deserved of other people's love, and and you know to say that it sounds really obvious, but when you actually you feel it in here and you just and um yeah, and my little journey had taken me on a path of um not feeling so great about myself, but to then get to that point, you're like hmm, and um, yeah, things have been quite still since then. So yeah, welcome home. Yeah. Peter, it's been an absolute, absolute pleasure and privilege to speak to you over the last hour or so. Um, if anybody wants to find the book and find you, where do they do that?
1: Uh, books on Amazon, yeah, Kindle, yeah, iTunes, um, uh, Audible, yeah, usual stuff. Um, yeah, you can follow me on uh, YouTube, Instagram, or all the usual. Uh, I'm, I'm not hard to find. Yeah, PSH07 is the uh, is usually the usual handle, and that has far more to do with that. that
0: how did you end up with P- Sage <laughs> 007? I mean, obviously we know what
1: Double w- O Seven meant, but what's the story behind? Absolutely, I'll tell you. It means that there were six people taken before me. Uh, really? <laughs> on the first one, and then it just went on from there. So my team kind of put that together. Uh, yeah. It's uh, yeah, it looked a little bit of fun, but it's uh, it is what it is. Uh, but yes, no, petersage.com, my website, and yeah, please stay in touch. Um, I've got a ton of stuff on YouTube that is designed to help people that yeah. you know uh, can't. You know, Uh, can't get access to me personally Uh, I do certain levels of high level coaching or group coaching and again very excited to put this new program together to help senior execs transition out of a a lifetime of staring at the ceiling at 3am to a lifetime of being able to have a complete level of fulfillment
0: Hmm. Peter, thank you very much, I look forward to talking to you again when you're actually here on Australian soil
1: Let's make it happen, take care my friend thank you so much for the invite Thank
0: you